Good morning, Willow Park Church family. I'm so excited that you can join us here this Sunday morning for our service that's online. It's exciting. It's been an exciting week. As you can see behind me, we've got a castle. This is not our new set going forward, even though I kind of wish it was. But the big TV in the back is kind of cool still. But we've had VBS happening this week, and it's been exciting to hear voices that aren't just, you know, Jordans next to my office, uh, you know, us talking together, but to hear small voices of children uh, in our church here and to hear the songs, to hear the random screams every once in a while. It's been an awesome week. Thank you Tamara and all the kids team and all the volunteers for all your hard work this week. Um, but besides that, we um, there'll be stories to tell. I'm sure you'll hear from VBS, but we want to begin our service together. And before we do that, I just want to pray and then I'll pass it off to Luke and he's going to lead us in worship. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful that we can do this, that we can gather together here uh, online this Sunday morning. Lord, we are so thankful for VBS that happened this past week. Lord, and for the young ones who uh, experience, you know, hearing about you maybe for the first time. Lord, for those who uh, come to church all the time, but just so excited to be back into the building. Lord, uh, we are really looking forward to, Lord, what the next months are going to hold with excitement, uh, believing that, you know, that we're going to have more of these gatherings like this. And so, Jesus, as we prepare to enter in today, we pray that you would uh, focus our hearts and our minds and our souls upon you, by recognizing that you have something for your children each and every day. And Lord, you are the bread, you are the life that we need. And we come to you, Lord, knowing that you fulfill us. So we worship because you are worthy. And as we worship and as we hear the word, Lord, we are fulfilled. So we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this time together. Amen. Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. Thank you for joining us as we worship this morning. Uh, we're so excited to do this. And, and something that's been on my heart the last couple of days has been uh, Psalm 100. And it talks about making a joyful noise to the Lord. So I'm just going to read this out. And then we together are going to make a joyful noise to the Lord. So would you join me? in reading this and in praying this out too. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So Heavenly Father, I pray that this would be us this morning, that we would lift up a joyful noise, whether we're singing the words or just, just yelling or dancing or running around or even if it's just a quiet, joyful noise, Father. We pray that we would lift one up to you, for you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever, and your faithfulness to us, your children, is for generations. We're so grateful. We love you, God. 
Jesus' name we pray.
we're making room for you right now. As we worship, as we make a joyful noise to you, we are making room for you to speak to us, to light our hearts with the fire of your Holy Spirit. Father, that we could know you more and that we can make you known more in our lives. That we would serve you with gladness, that we would come into your presence with singing.
Thank you, Luke, for leading us. Um, we are excited to continue our worship uh, through communion. And as I prepare um, for this time, why don't you go and you gather your emblems, your bread, and your juice as I share. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, Lake Country, we've been doing our online Zoom. We call it Upper Zoom. I know, really clever. Um, but uh, we had a time of communion together. And through this time, we did a three-step kind of process as we, per, as we took the uh, emblems. The one thing we did is we looked backward, remembering Christ's sacrifice for us. We looked inward, you know, and asked ourselves, what's robbing us maybe of enjoying the sweet presence of Jesus in our life? Like, what's hindering us? What, what, we know his presence is near, and that's the promise. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But sometimes we feel like, you know, it's far away. But the reality is he's right there. But maybe we've put something up or something else, something has happened in our life that, you know, we need to say, Jesus, take this from us. Lord, I lay this down at your feet. We take down that wall or, or those multiple bricks and his presence is just there. Um, we are experiencing just that touch of Christ. And then we look forward because communion is not just about you know, what he has done and what he's doing right now, but it's what he is doing in the future. It's recognizing that, you know what, this isn't the end. That you know, there is another time where we're going to fellowship with him. He's coming back again. And so it reminds us of what is there in the future. And so we're going to do this. So I'm just going to take a couple minutes. We're going to take like 20 minutes of silence for each of these to reflect, to look inward, to look backwards, to look forwards. And then we're going to partake together.
So we're going to look backward. Christ's sacrifice for us. Romans uh, 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are called to remember the sacrifice. Let's take a moment. Just remember what that sacrifice means for us. Now that we've looked backward, reminding, looking back to remind ourselves what this sacrifice means, we want to look inward. What's, what's maybe robbing us of that sweet presence of Jesus? What, what's maybe hindering us from experiencing this fullness of life that Christ promises us, that he gives to us? And this is where we reflect, you know, Jesus, where do I maybe need to confess? Where do I need to lay down, you know, something that I've been holding on to? So let's take a couple moments here, 20, 25 seconds again, just reflect. What is robbing me of that sweet presence of Jesus? Maybe you just knew something that popped up in your mind right away. I hope that as we reflected and as we continue to reflect that we have been, Jesus, forgive me of this. I'll lay this down at your feet, Jesus. Now we look forward. This is another time he's coming back again. We, this reminds us that, you know what, he's, he's not done. He's still working. So we take this in remembrance of what he's done, but also a remembrance of what is to come. And so let's partake together. This is his body broken for us. Let's partake. This is his blood poured out for us. Let's take together. Father, we thank you for what the cross means, Lord, what your sacrifice means for our lives, Lord, that we recognize that we needed you, Lord, and that as we walk with you, Lord, we get to lay down these things in our life that hinder us from your presence, and Lord, that there is a promise of more. There's a promise of eternity with you. Lord, we are so thankful for your presence with us. We pray as we continue to go throughout our week, Lord, that we'll remember the sacrifice. We'll remember the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Welcome to the one-year anniversary of Church Online. Here is your family news. Easter 
Easter is just around the corner, and we are so excited to celebrate with you here at Willow Park Church. We have a whole week of special services and prayer nights planned. We hope you will join us for our online and drive-in Palm Sunday services next Sunday. Following that, we have four nights of prayer for Holy Week online each evening at 7 p.m. We will also have multiple online and drive-in services on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. You can get all of the details on our website at willowparkchurch.com Easter. Clubs will be starting up again in April, and this time we will be offering it at three locations in Rutland, in the Mission, and in Lake Country. This is an amazing opportunity to bring your kids and your kids' friends and neighbors to a fun night of games, songs, crafts, and more. Learn more and register today at willowparkchurch.com clubs. This is our final week of noon prayer. Join our pastors and other leaders online for a half hour of meeting with God and praying for one another each weekday, Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock noon. To find out how to connect, visit our website at willowparkchurch.com prayer. Alpha is a free online course that allows you to explore the Christian faith and ask life's big questions. We are starting the Alpha course online starting Tuesday, April 13th at 7 p.m. And it will run for several weeks. If you haven't taken this course yet, or even if you haven't taken it in a while, we encourage you to sign up and bring a friend. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com alpha. Let me share with you five reasons why I believe doing the Alpha course will impact your life, even as a Christian. You might say, why? Why should I do the Alpha course? Reason number one, boy, when you do the Alpha course as a Christian, it gives you real confidence in God to reach out to your friends and to your family. Number two, leading on to that, well, if you're doing the Alpha course, then it's easier to invite your friends and your family. There's people I've got in mind who I want to invite to do the Alpha course this time. And I know that if I say I'm doing it and I'll do it with you, that will make all the difference to them. Thirdly, it really refreshes your faith and your belief in the gospel. It brings that joy again, that sense of, oh, this is fantastic. I feel refreshed and excited. Fourthly, well, Alpha is unique. I remember Alpha being started in the United Kingdom just as a small movement that has literally now become a global movement, changing millions of lives. And when you do the Alpha course, you're part of something that connects the global church but also locally. And that's very powerful. And to be part of that, to be part of that revival, that part of that movement makes such a difference. And finally, well, it's COVID. We all need to keep connected. And it's hard to keep connected to community at this time. So I would do the Alpha course for those five reasons. And if you're interested, please go to Willow Park Church slash Alpha and join in and join Alpha. Thank you. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Jordan Pilgrim. I am one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm excited today. We get to talk about Daniel chapter 10. It's a, it's a whole new world. First of all, let's, before we go too far, we have to look at this amazing set for the kids program. I feel as though I am a giant standing next to this um, rather short soldier. Um, Heard it was a fantastic week. Katiana's here and she loved it. And uh, all the kids seem to have a great time. So thank you so much, children's team, for doing that. And uh, we're just so grateful that we have little bits that we can celebrate, you know, during this pandemic. First of all, it's about the one-year anniversary of us being shut down. So that's kind of a milestone, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but we're here. Let us pray before we go into Daniel chapter 10. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for being here. Thank you that we can be here in your presence. And we invite you in. Invite you into, into this place as we talk about prayer, we talk about spiritual warfare. We, God, we just ask that your angels would be here, your word would go out, and uh, people would hear your spirit speaking to them. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today I'm talking about Daniel chapter 10, um, but we're going to be kind of taking a little bit of a uh, more practical, I suppose, approach. Maybe how does this affect us? Today's ter- sermon is entitled um, Daniel chapter 10, Mo- Prayer More Than Meets the Eye. Now, when I was a kid, I l- watched Transformers a lot. I, was, I watched TV a lot, and Transformers was one of the shows that I watched, and it had that tagline. Uh, down here, you can't see it, more than meets the eye. And you see a transformer, how it moves and how it forms, and there's more there than you see. And I didn't really understand more than meets the eye for the longest time, but I started to finally get it, started to finally understand what it meant and how it means in our prayer life that there's more happening when we pray than meets our eye, than we can see, than we can feel, than we can understand. Willow Park Church, uh, if you're watching, if you're new here, you uh, uh, you'll soon find out that we are really big into prayer. And if you've been here for a long time, you understand that we are into prayer. We've been doing, we had a 21 days of prayer every year. We celebrate 21 days of prayer at the beginning of the year to start off our year that way. We're also praying through Lent right now at noontime. And uh, it's been a really good time of prayer as well. Because we really do believe that we are active in changing things and we participate in God's will. Um, God doesn't want to be a dictatorial on unilaterally, uh, sorry, unilateral acting God, but he's, he wants his providence to be carried out in a rov- loving relationship with us. You see, God is loving us and he wants us to be part of his grand design. He wants to partner with us. As we pray, we align with his will, but as we align with his will, we help his will to come to fruition here on earth. When we are praying, we go into this place where we pray to him and, we, and as we pray, our hearts become aligned with him. But his desire is, is that he wants to rule this world with his bride and we're his bride. So we come into play, we start praying, we start acting, we start moving. It's a, it's a fantastic opportunity that we have. James 5.16, I'm going to get into this verse later, says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. If prayer is so effective, then why does it sometimes seem not to work? That's the issue that sometimes we have with prayer. And that's why we say that prayer is more than meets the eye, because there's so much going on in the prayer world, there's so much going on in the spiritual realm that we don't quite fully understand. And and there's a lot that's going on. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. 
some of the questions that we're going to be asking or some of the questions that you might ask about prayer. If prayer is so effective, then why did my mom and dad have to get a divorce? Or if prayer is so effective, then why does a child have to have be sick with cancer? Or if prayer is so effective, why does someone's mom or dad die in an accident? There's a lot of pain that this world is experiencing. As we live in this fallen world, we see a lot of pain and experience a lot of pain. But it says that we're supposed to pray, and we're supposed to pray into these things, but we don't fully understand that. So as we go into Daniel chapter 10, hopefully we can see a little bit of what's going on. Um, so if you want to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10, we're going to start there. And uh, I'm going to kind of go through this part to see Daniel's prayer and then how that affects us and how that affected the Jewish people then. See, we forget sometimes that as we read the Old Testament, as we read even the New Testament, that there is actual people affected in these places. This is 70 years of captivity. And you could imagine the prayers of the parents of the kids that were taken into captivity or the first 10, 20, 30 years may have been more hopeful, but as the years went on, they're, they're, it feels like their prayers are falling on deaf ears. And so that's kind of what we, we kind of get into right now with Daniel. So, Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to start in Daniel 1. I'm going to go to the next slide in a couple of seconds here. As we read Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Sirius, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. So this vision in Daniel chapter 10 actually has to do with Daniel chapter 11 and chapter 12 that Phil's going to speak on over the next few weeks, maybe after Easter he's going to get to that part. So this is kind of a standalone a little bit. So after, on the third year, it was a message that was true and concerned the great war. So this vision is coming for a great war. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions until the three weeks were over. This is, this is where we get the Daniel fast from. This idea where he had nothing, no meat, he had no great food, he had no choice, beautiful things. He had the, ugh. And he, he even didn't use creams, and, and I think that would have to do with the cleanliness of him. It would be a real, a real physical encounter, him praying for these 21 days. Sometimes we forget how physical prayer can be. It's a mind thing, it's an emotional thing, but it's also a physical toll that it takes, especially when it comes to prayer and fasting. And we think to ourselves, why is our prayers not being answered? Why, do, why are we not interacting with God more? Sometimes we need to go a little bit above and beyond and we need to start physically exerting ourselves in prayer. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing at the back of the great river, the Tigris. I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold of Uphaz around his waist. So there's this magnificent being. His body was like topaz, his face lightning, his eyes flaming torches, his arms and legs like a gleam, gleam of a burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. So we think to ourselves, this could be God, but I think, or a Christophanes uh, image of Christ, but I really do believe this is an angel, and we'll, we'll find out a bit later. Verse 7, it says this, I, Daniel, was the one who saw the vision those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. One of the first things we need to understand about our prayer life and, and are our prayers being answered, is our prayers being answered, is we need to stop sometimes and remember that prayer sometimes is a very, very personal thing to us. 
So there's this great vision that's happening. There's this amazing vision that's happening. And those around him, directly beside him, didn't see a thing. Because sometimes God has this word for you, and it's for you only. When I was in grade 7, I, I was at one of those classic Pentecostal camps that I grew up in. And I remember, I remember seeing the faces of people around me, and it was one of those evening um, chapel services, and, and there was a real sense of God's Holy Spirit there. And I remember looking to the left and the right and seeing people. I can remember in my, in my mind's eye right now, people experiencing God's goodness. And then I remember me experiencing God's goodness as well. And I remember a specific call to ministry that I had that night. All those years ago, I a specific call to ministry I had that night. And then after that time, we all kind of went out. We sat by the fire and everyone was sharing fantastic stories about what, what God did. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Jordan, keep this one to yourself. Keep this close to your heart. And so I did. And I didn't stop thinking about that moment for years to come. I haven't stopped thinking about that moment. And I didn't tell anyone about that for years and years and years. Obviously, I wasn't going to become a pastor or a youth pastor or go into the ministry in that sense right away. But I held on to that. And everybody would say, what are you going to do when you grow up? I knew what I was going to do. I knew where I was going. I knew the calling that I had on my life. But God wanted me to keep that close to my heart, close to who I was. So sometimes encourage you in your prayer. Sometimes God calls you to a specific intimate prayer with him between you and him and him alone. So I was left alone gazing at the great vision. I had no strength left in my face. I had no strength left in my face. My, my face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Prayer is hard work. We forget the, the amount of, of exertion that sometimes we need to expel in prayer. He is going through a time that it's obviously that he's pale in the face. There's something. He went through this time of fasting and prayer, and so much is going on. And he's just praying. Who would think that prayer would actually be a physical exertion? But Daniel shows us that it is. And then he says this, Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep. My face to the ground, a hand touched me and set me trembling upon my hands and knees. Again, there is physical changes. There's physical body positions and, 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 and postures that take place in prayer that sometimes we forget about. And this week while I was kind of preparing this sermon and I went into one of my uh, a prayer time, I felt God say, look, why don't you bow on your knees and pray? And I was talking to my wife this week about bowing on our knees and praying. And, and there is something that happens when you change your posture towards God. And as I bowed on my knees, I kind of had this, again, this weird feeling. Maybe someone's going to walk in my office. Maybe, maybe someone's going to say, what are you doing? And I shouldn't really think that in the church, should I? But anyways, I had that thought in my head. But as I bowed my knee, there was something that changed in my heart. And I could tell that there was something different happening. Perhaps in your prayer life, we can't forget that posture actually means something. But it doesn't mean everything. We're going to get later into, uh, into, um, into formulas about prayer. And it's not a formula where you get on your knees and prayers are answered. But it is a response to God. And sometimes when we respond to God, maybe today take a moment to just be on your knees in prayer like you did when you were a kid or you watched those old movies when they kneel beside their bed. But then posture 
of kneeling, is it everything? Because he told him to stand up and he was trembling. He was on his hands and knees. He was all over the place. And sometimes for someone like me, being over, all over the place is a good thing because I am a little bit all over the place, as you can tell sometimes. Verse 10, 11. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words that I am about to speak. First of all, you are highly esteemed in your prayer. You are thought of highly by God. When you pray, when you humble yourself, when you come to him, he thinks highly. He thinks highly of you before them, but he wants you to know that as you pray, you are thought highly of. And then he says, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak. Daniel went through this three weeks of prayer and fasting and He turned pale in the face, and then God spoke to him. We have a lot of work to do when we come to prayer. And then it got to this most important part. It says, Do not be afraid, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. The biggest issue that I find in prayer and when people talk to me is God hearing my prayers. Daniel had 21 days of silence, but the moment that he prayed, his prayer was heard. The moment that you pray, the moment that you reach out to God for that prodigal, the moment that you reach out to God for healing, the moment that you reach out to God for someone because you're lonely because we've been in a year of this pandemic, the moment that you pray, God hears your prayer. Do not be convinced otherwise. The moment Daniel prayed, he heard his prayer. And we need to be encouraged by that, that God hears our prayer. And then things happen. The crazy things happen like this. But then the prince of Persia, the kingdom, but then, but the prince of Persia, of the, the prince of the Persian kingdom, I apologize, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. This is how we know it's an angel because no one detains God. But this angel that was sent out, he had this spiritual battle for 21 days. All the while, while Daniel was praying, there was a battle happening in the heavenlies. There was a battle raging on. There was a battle that he could not see. Daniel wasn't even privy to understanding that there was a spiritual battle going on. He wouldn't have even known it, but there's something happening. When your prayers go out, the moment your prayers go out, God hears it, and then something happens. That's why prayer is more than meets the eye, because there is something happening in the heavenlies. There is something happening in the heavenlies right now. I have to believe it. When we're talking about praying, when we're talking about being active in prayer, when we're talking about changing this world with our prayer, stuff happens against that in the heavenlies. Angels are dispatched and demons are out to get that and things are happening that we cannot see. And we in the Western world want to forget that there is that happening. We in the Western world are, are pushing against that. We say, no, I don't think that's true. We've, we kind of ignore the fact that, that there might be some kind of spiritual, spiritual stuff going on. But there is. And that's a big part of it. That's something that we cannot forget. Now, when I was 
when I was going through Daniel, I, I, I looked at a lot of different commentaries. And, and Tim Mackey is the Bible Project guy. And he admitted, he says, when I get to um, spiritual stuff, I, in the past he's, he's glossed over because he didn't understand it. So if some of these really quite knowledgeable people skip over the spiritual forces and, and the spiritual warfare aspect of our faith, um, then you're forgiven to kind of gloss over that as well. But then I kind of went back in and I thought, okay, you know, we really need to start to look at this. And, and what we need to understand about the spiritual battle that's happening is we are living between D-Day and V-Day. We are, the victory has been won, but the battle is still very real that's going on right now. So when we pray, the victory has been won, but there is still a battle that we are fighting. And we are in the midst of a tremendous battle with the forces of evil and good. But be encouraged because the victory is very much in sight. See, the Christian um, holy war manifesto of the Old Testament was very physical war. But our New Testament is, uh, is, is very much a, a manifesto of, of spiritual battles. And, and if you grew up in anything that I grew up, Ephesians chapter 6 and the armor of God was a big part of growing up. And they talked about putting on the armor of God all the time. And I kind of became a bit rebellious to that because I'm like, if I do this every day, it's a bit awkward. And then I kind of just kind of started to forget about that. But coming back to this verse and coming back to understanding that there is so much more happening in the spiritual realm than in our physical realm, we need to understand that. So I'm going to quickly talk about the armor of God and quickly talk about what is going on in this spiritual realm. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally be strong. So if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, or maybe read that this week. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against this guy here and this guy here and this big wall of the northern castle, this big winter fest. No more. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. We've got to stand firm with God's armor on us. Because it's a spiritual battle. And it's not against me and you. It's not against the people around us. It's not against what we can see. It's against the heavenly, it's in the heavenly realms. There's battles going on always. And we need to be very, very aware of that. And when you pray... And you're wondering why your prayer hasn't been answered. You're wondering why God hasn't answered your prayer. First of all, know that God has heard you. Second of all, understand that there is a message coming to you. There's an answer coming. And third of all, know that you are not alone in this. We cannot fight this spiritual battle on our own. This is about, this is about what God can do and what he has done. And the victory has been won. And then verse 14. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen in your people in the future. For the vision concerning you at this time and yet to come. So then he comes with the answer. After all that, after all that physical exertion, after all that prayer and fasting and visions and an angel coming and feeling sick and feeling trembling and standing up and kneeling down, all of that stuff. After all that, 
an answer comes. Prayer is active, and it's hard work, and that's okay, because we're participating in a massive, massive undertaking, and we are the bride of Christ, and that's a good thing. So, That's what Daniel chapter 10 is talking about. Daniel chapter 10 is talking about this setting up of the vision to come in chapter 11 and chapter 12 and how that applies to the people of Jerusalem, the people of Babylon who are going back to Jerusalem and the people of our time is how we stand up in this prayer time. So you can imagine the people back then, they were skeptical. The people back then, after 70 years of being in captivity, they might have been a little bit skeptical of what God's doing. So I'm going to read to you a letter from a skeptic. This is a book by uh, a theologian, Greg Boyd, um, who you may or may not like, but that's beside the point because we're going to read a really good letter from his dad, and his dad was a skeptic. His dad was someone that did not believe in God. And so there's this book that he wrote. There's this three sets of letters that Greg, um, sorry, there's three years that him and his dad wrote back and forth um, letters in a long conversation, and Greg was trying to convince his dad about the goodness of God, and his dad, conversely, was trying to convince Greg that there was no God. And at this point, his dad had agreed to the fact that there is probably a God. There is probably a creator. There is probably someone that has created all this. And I would submit to you that I think we would all agree that there is something somewhere that has created all this. There is definitely a few strong atheists out there. But for the most part of, of people that we know, there is some sort of higher power. But then that's where, for Greg's dad, it fell off. So he wrote this letter on October 18th, 1989. Greg's dad asked the question, why didn't God spare your mother? Now you may be in this kind of question. So if you're in this kind of question, we want you to know that at Willow Park Church, we accept all questions and all confusing and all like, what is going on? So he has this question, why didn't God spare your mother? I don't see what difference it makes, what characteristics God has. He still doesn't seem interested in us. And what good does believing in a God with a person-like characteristics if he is not personally interested in you or me? That's a big question that people have. What purpose does it do to have a person-like character of God if he doesn't seem interested in you or me? And here's another aspect of religion that I've never understood and what we're talking about today. Prayer. If God is personally interested in us, as you say, we presumably can talk to him. But does he listen? I don't think so. Think about the many millions of Jewish parents banging, that bagged God's ear off during the Holocaust as they, all they got was silence. Where was his personal concern then? The Bible has it, has it that he saved them from the Egyptians by parting the Red Sea. But this time, he seems to have been preoccupied with other more pressing issues. So he's saying, God saved the, the Jewish people by the Red Sea back then, but now when there's a Holocaust, now when there's this persecution and death, where was he then? So if God personally is interested in us, why is prayer so totally unsuccessful? I fail to recall any time in my life where prayers of anyone were really answered. Tony, presumably his brother, used to always say that Leona and Grandma Raz were powerful prayers. I always wondered what made them powerful because their prayers seemed pretty powerless to me. 
Leona lumped her prayers into Nueva's and prayed until her knees gave out. And I always felt her success in getting God's attention and getting her prayers answered were just about the same as odds and chance. When Arlisle was dying, we all prayed till we were blue in the face. Even you kids prayed. Maybe God doesn't listen to the prayers of sinful adults, but he should have listened. He should have at least heard the cries of you kids. Instead, you kids were left motherless, and that set in motion a rather unfortunate history that you yourself know only too well. If God had been personally concerned about us, Greg, he'd have spared your mother and spared all of us a tremendous amount of pain. If someone were to write you a letter, or if you were to write a letter like this, how would you respond? It's piling up a pile of of accusations and legitimate questions about where has God been. I don't believe that the core issue is that people don't believe in God. I really believe that, that people don't believe God listens. But we know that that's not true. As Christians, we understand and we know what the answers are, that God does listen. But sometimes it does feel like he's distant. Daniel, he prayed and immediately God heard him. But it took 21 days for the answer to get there. Sometimes the answer is waylaid. It's understandable that people lose their faith. Have you heard of the duns? I'm, I'm done with God. I'm done with what God's done. I'm done with, with what's happening because I don't feel like God is there. It's understandable because if you were in a relationship with someone that you had no communication, you had no love, you had no back and forth, it's going to end up in a really bad situation in that marriage or with that relationship. That's the same with, with God. If we feel like he's not answering, if we, if we feel like he's not talking to us, we're going to feel distant. But I want to tell you today that God hears your prayers and he hears you and he wants to answer you. C.S. Lewis said, it's not, the, that God's lack of, it's not God's lack of prayer that bothers me, it's that he will, he, he, he says he will answer and he doesn't. He says that God will answer prayers and it seems that he doesn't answer prayer. This is what C.S. Lewis said. And I can see where people would get this. John 14, 13 says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so your Father may be glorified in the Son. It does say, I will do whatever you ask of me. Then verse 14 in John chapter 14, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, there's these things that are saying, If you ask, I will do it. Why isn't that happening then? If I ask for something, then God, you'll do it. John 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words in you and you ask for whatever it is, for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Matthew 18, 19, again, I tell you that, the, that if there are two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There is a constant, a constant recollection of, and, and a constant request for us to pray. And he says, if you pray, I will answer. And then you say to yourself, well, there's two answers that go to this. If you pray and I will answer, and then if I prayed and, and God did not answer, then there must be a, a, a simple solution. And there's always two solutions that come to mind. The first one is this. So why didn't my prayers get answered is the question. The first one is this. It must not be God's will. Now let me say this. I do not know God's will. I am not God. You are not God. We cannot put words in God's mouth. But what we can do is see God through Jesus. 
And whenever Jesus came up against death and sickness, he prayed for healing all the time. All the time. See, the, the problem with this answer of it must not be God's will for someone to get healed, fair enough. But if you were to say that to a six-year-old kid at their mother's funeral, what kind of pain would you be inflicting? How many times have you, heard the, have you heard the answer to death? Well, God wanted to take his flower home for him. Well, then a six-year-old kid's going to be sitting there in this horrible state saying, well, I want that flower in my life. I have friends, Matt and Anna Grandia, and they're from Kamloops, and we were living in Ontario, about to come to Kelowna. And we got a phone call and saw a text that said Matt and Anna had been in a, an accident. And as they were driving their car to Vancouver, they saw an accident. They pulled off to the side, and they were taking off some, some debris from the road. And both of them, while they were picking up the debris from the road, a car came and hit them. Their two children, six, seven years old, were sitting in the back seat of their car and saw their parents get hit by these cars. The pain that that would have caused at that moment for those children is unbearable. The God that I serve, the God that I see, the God that I read through the Bible does not want this because we live in a fallen world. To say to someone that, to those kids, that, that God would have allowed that accident to happen, that he willed for that accident to happen, sorry. It'd be damaging. It looked like Matt and Anna, it looked like Matt was actually going to succumb to his injuries and Anna was going to be okay. And then overnight, Matt actually got better and Anna ended up passing away. The pain that that causes, the heartache for those kids that that causes. And then when we say, well, God must have willed it to happen, Leaves those kids in a state like, why would God do that to me? Why would he leave me without a mom or a dad? Yes, we can't fully know, but I can see what Jesus does. And what Jesus does in the face of death is he brings life. The second thing that we say in that is he says that you must have not have had enough faith. You must not have had enough faith. Yes, we do are asked to have faith for sure. But when we pray... If you say to someone, you must not have had faith, that puts the onus on them. It puts the onus on you. In Mark 9, verse 24, it talks about this when the, when the disciples are trying to pray a demon out of a boy. And they had done many, many miracles, and then they came up against this one demon that just would not budge. It would not move. And the father said to the first old father, said, he said, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. He had faith. But it only wasn't based on his faith that that healing came. So saying it's your fault if you don't have enough faith is very damaging. It's equally damaging. And then he said to the disciples, this demon only comes out through prayer and fasting, working hard, getting into it, digging in. See, these two responses to unanswered prayer are very harmful. You put the blame on God or you put the blame on myself. Well, in fact, that's not what is happening. We can't put the blame on God. We can't put the blame on ourselves because there's a myriad of things that are going on when, faith, when, when prayers aren't answered. And I'm going to quickly touch on five things that we see. Most of the promises that we see in the Bible are actually 
principles, not formulas. You'll understand what I mean, and I bet you you kind of get that already. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he was old, he will not depart from it. It feels like that's a formula. It feels like if I do this, 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 and this, this will happen. You see, in the Bible, there's no exclamation points. There's no punctuation like that that we know of. So what they do is they speak in hyperbole. You know and I know that that is not exactly how it works because if your child goes on to become a criminal but you think you've done everything right, there's only one of two answers. Either the Bible is lying, which it's not, or you messed up somewhere. But every single parent can say that we messed up somewhere. So that's not going to be the case either. What it's saying is, Train up your child in the faith as well as you can, and that's going to give them the best opportunity to live in faith because God knows that we have free will. God knows that we have choice. So it's not formula. It says all the time, pray and your prayers will be answered. What God is saying is we are active in prayer. Take choices to pray. Always be praying. Never stop praying. Align yourself with my will. And when you align yourself with my will, you will see my will being answered. You will see who I am being answered. Second thing is, because of time, the world is unfathomably complex and caught in a war, spiritual warfare. Many variables and conditions, many variable conditions how the power of prayer affects the world. When we pray, there are things that happen that change outcomes. First of all, is it God's will? Now we're, not, now we're separating ourselves from the, from the talk of, of death and destruction of young families and horrible things like that. But we're moving on to things like, I'm going to pray that we can get a brand new building in Rutland. This is just completely out of nowhere. I'm not saying that we're looking for a new building at all. We have a great building. Thank you very much. But if I were to start praying into that, and God would be like, no, no, that's not my will. So I could pray all I want into that, but if that's not God's will, then it's not going to happen. And then it does have to do with your faith as well. There's, there's, there's prayer about your faith. It is, has to do with your faith, but it also has to do with someone else's faith. It also has to do when, when the disciple lowered the man through the, through the roof. It has to do with their faith. There's faith involved, but who knows whose faith it is and which one it is at that time. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. There's just faith. And then it says there's free will. I'm going to pray my socks off for my kids but God also understands that we also understand that God wants people to make their own choices our whole faith is based on choosing God he doesn't want robots so I will pray and God will put in motion things that will help my kids to become more faithful to become more faithful but it's their choice in the end and then there's the spiritual battle there's the 21 days. There's angels and demons fighting above us. There's so many things that go into prayer, answered or unanswered. Faith is a, subs- is a substance of things hoped for, anticipated, not a psychological certainty about an outcome. I can't say I have faith and will something to happen. If I get on an airplane, one day I might be able to again, I have faith that we are going to get to the end of that plane ride. And we are almost to a point where, where we, we, we put our faith that we're going to get to the end of the plane ride and we can almost know for certainty that's going to happen, but it might not. But I'm not going to think to myself that we're going to go down the whole time. When we place our, 
our faith in things hoped for. We're hoping and placing our faith in, in a good outcome. When I pray for someone to stand up from a wheelchair, I will put my vision into them standing up. I will pray and in my mind's eye, they will stand up in faith. But my faith isn't going to control that. There's something deeper, something, something else going on. And the last one, well, the fourth one, yeah, this is one that I want to make sure because we are running out of time. Number four, know that your prayer is powerful and effective no matter the outcome. Your prayer is effective 100% of the time. Whenever you pray, know that things are happening and answers are coming, answers are happening. Whether you like the answer or not, things have been changed in the heavenlies. And the last one is know that God's heart and will is revealed in Jesus Christ. I say that because of this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus says. As you've seen theology and heard from someone that all that you have been through is either God's fault or your fault, you're looking at the wrong thing. What we need to be doing is looking at the heart of God, and that is Jesus. All we do and we blame it on God or blame it on ourselves that we can't see prayers answered is we are having a negative view on God and it affects our relationship with God. We've polluted our view of God. We need to understand that God bleeds for you and God bleeds with you. Jesus came to give life. And so as we pray, things happen in the heavenlies. We have two minutes, I think before the stream dies. I'm going to leave you with this. There's a story about a man that um, was met at a dream center. And he said this. You know, he had grown up at about 13 to 14 years old. He had been abused by his dad and then the authorities had sent him to live with his uncle. And his uncle had had shipped drugs, cocaine, and end up becoming a, he ended up becoming a, a cocaine dealer. His uncle went to prison. He eventually went to prison. He was there for 10 years. And then he came back to the Dream Center and gave his life to Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus. And a week later, he, he thought back to the times that he was abused by his dad. And he said, Dad, where, God, where were you? And then God reminded him of a teddy bear that he used to clutch and hold after the abuses happened. And he said, I, am, I was there in that teddy bear and I was crying with you. If you feel like your prayers are not heard, I want you to be assured that your prayers are heard. And if you feel like your prayers are not answered, I want you to be assured that your prayers are being answered. Daniel never went back into Jerusalem, but his prayers were answered. There's things happening in the heavenlies, but he is with you. God is with you. Your prayers are being answered. Take courage. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you.